Hi, welcome to uh, Interactive Investor Podcast. And joining me today from the cryptocurrency space are two team members from NABU who are on a mission to create a clearing bank. And they're going to tell us something about how they're getting on. Um, so joining me today is Seren Ravindra, who is the Chief Product Strategy Officer, and Hakim Mamoni, who is the Chief Technical Officer of the project. And they're going to tell us something about the team. Before we do that, one of what drew my eye to the project is the whole prospect of a clearing bank being built. So perhaps we could start there. Hakim. Absolutely. Thank you very much. So the um, fintech industry um, and I'm not just speaking of the blockchain side of the fintech industry, but the fintech industry at large has had problems uh, with simply getting bank accounts. It has been a difficult um, experience for companies that do remittances, for example, for a while, um, and for companies that do anything to do with cryptocurrency. So what we're aiming to do is create in the UK a clearing bank that will provide banking services to companies that currently are having difficulties with traditional banks. Yeah. That's really the long-term okay. goal. So you're a business-to-business-facing operation? B2B only, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And um, where did you come from uh, in terms of your, your, your background, um, what you are working on before? Uh, so personally, uh, I started my working life in the UK, in a city, working for banks. Uh, software programming uh, for companies like JP Morgan, Deutsche Bank, Commerce Bank. I worked for some central banks. Um, the one in Luxembourg was the one where I worked for the longest time. Um, and I became aware of Bitcoin in 2011, I would say, around that time. And I started to really seriously look at it in 2012 to really understand how it works and what it is. Yeah. Um, whether it makes sense for me to use it in any of the projects that I was working on. Um, 2013 is when I became very active. Uh, with Eddie Travia, I co-founded a company called Seedcoin, which later became Coincilium, which is now listed on the NEX exchange. So that listing took place in 2016. And so I've been working with on this industry for you know, five years, roughly. I yeah, would say. that makes you a veteran, I would say, <laughs> for crypto. <laughs> See, yeah, we should say that somehow. Yeah. Okay. And um, Shireen, would like to uh, chip in? I know that you have another product that's actually launched very recently. Uh, so, yeah, so I guess um, I think from my perspective, I joined NABU like three months ago. Um, I've come from the traditional finance space, um, Worked for UBS and RBS banks briefly and then moved into oil derivatives trading at a fund in London. Um, there in 2018, uh, looked at creating a desk for trading cryptos. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of funds moved into the space. Uh, and yeah, joined NABU three months ago as a head of product and strategy. I think, um, yeah, great team, very cool proposal as well to build a bank. But, uh, the, the main thing is we're trying to solve a problem which is um, very evident in the crypto space, certainly certainly in the UK, but also um, globally. So, yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, so behind that, the whole self-custody uh, issue, 
is yeah. uh, extremely important from the point of view of banking and from the point of view of the product you've, you've just launched, which is about us yeah. as individuals looking after their yes, crypto yes. and so we've, um, so we've launched the, the safety deposit box. Um, well, we call it a smart deposit box um, because it's essentially a safety deposit box, but for the digital world. And I think sort of the difference between um, our solution to security and um, existing solutions in the market is simply that um, as a, I guess, as a company who has to, you know, we're, we're aiming to be completely FCA regulated as a bank. And as a result, our, our focus on security has to be paramount. That goes without saying. A lot of the industry's certainly seen, a lot of the industry's seen, you know, we see almost on a weekly basis, yeah. hacks, fraud, um, coercion. I read an article last week in The Independent, sorry, earlier this week in The Independent, um, which is also you know, coercion. So it's not, it's, it's a very common problem, security. And I think sort of best practices is just, you know, until newer tech has been developed to combat this um, is the best way to go. So we really pay a lot of attention to our to our security and that's why we launched this product. Um, Does that right to it's aimed at more at individuals or more at companies? Or is it so, so all of our client all of our client base is, is companies. We focus yeah. on uh, businesses in the crypto space. Yeah. Um, if there is a company who deals with cryptos in any in any sort of capacity, whether that be trading or investment or ICO projects, OTC desks, we help them. We have exchanges who are our clients. Um, or even if they're a traditional fund, but they have some crypto exposure on their portfolio, mm -hmm. um, that's also uh, you know somewhere where we can help. Sure. Um, yeah. So um, insurance is becoming quite a hot subject in terms of custody, Are you guys thinking of exploring that just to provide a bit more safety? Uh, so institutions yeah in terms of custody I must stress that we're not a custodian we're not planning to be to, to be a custodian what we're doing is we are helping companies to manage the risks associated with self-custody mm. so we do yeah. not take uh, control of the assets of our customers we we help them maintain that control but we add security layers on top okay. in order to uh, yeah enable them to you know, mitigate some of the uh, common risks that we've seen in the past when it comes to you know, holding blockchain assets, especially large amount of you know, Bitcoins or Ether, whatever assets they may be holding. Yeah. I think also what I'd like to add to that is um, the way we do this, the way we, like Akim said, mitigate the risk of, uh, associated with uh, self-custody, the way we do this is quite unique to ourselves because Yes, we use multi-sig in all of our products. So a multi-signature um, system multi, for those yeah. who So know. a multi-sig uh, setup, multi-signature technology setup is essentially, uh, imagine a safety deposit box has two keys at a bank. That is essentially saying that you know one key on its own cannot open the vault. So we can create, because it's all digital, we can create different custom setups. So let's say, for example, you're a company with two directors but you are scared that if one of you loses the keys, all your assets are in there, and this is all crypto assets, you can't get them out. So there's a spare key, which we would hold, uh, and we can't do anything with the key on its own, and we can't do anything unless instructed by the company, but also with their joint action as well. 
So that's, that's the premise of multi-sig technology. You need more than one key. Um, so the way we sort of mitigate the risk is by using multi-sig technology at the protocol level, um, Bitcoin protocol level, I should say, um, but also in combination with our own unique verification uh, protocols. Mm -hmm. So we have measures which are very unique, specific to each uh, different segment within the product. So for example, if we're looking at a really high net worth wallet, uh, we would you know, apply something we call a, an anti-coercion lock. Um, and in this product, the verification systems that we use to make sure that if uh, we get a, a, a transaction that looks fraudulent, we would be required to sign with, sign with the actual client but we would have verification tests before we do any of that. So this is what I guess separates from um, you know, the existing security products out there on the market. Yeah. Um, um, what about auditing? Are you guys um, audited to any particular standard? I know there's not really a standard in, in crypto, but uh, do you call in people to check your work? We absolutely will be doing that. So today in terms of auditing, what we are helping um, uh, is our customers in terms of making sure that they have an audit trail of the transactions. Mm -hmm. So when you look at the smart deposit box that we are offering today, one of the service, one of the smart lock that we can apply to uh, one of those boxes is an anti-fraud lock. The way that an anti-fraud lock works is whereby we have um, a key in the multi-sig setup, which is a compulsory key. That key must be used in order for any transaction mm -hmm. to be validated. But prior um, to co-signing any transactions, what we do is we contact each and every co-signer in the company with which we work, and we make sure that everyone who is co-signing a transaction is fully and explicitly aware of who is receiving the money and why they're receiving the money, and that they explicitly consent to the transaction. If that's the case. If everyone consents, then we co-sign the transaction and we send to our clients an, an audit trail of what we what we what we found out. Now, this kind of system enables our customers to prevent and detect fraud attempts inside the fraud attempt, so that they can protect their assets from misbehaving um, personnel. Yep. Okay. Um... Going back to the clearing bank proposition, who would you see as your main competitors? I know you're a very, very early stage uh, development. Well, the, the clearing... Uh, we have leverages come out the door, which has excited a lot of people in um, the mainstream, in fact. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know we said they're not going to be a bank, but um, they've got some very bank-like structures to them. Mm -hmm. um, and then I know here in London, there's BAB. I don't know if people, you guys have heard of it, mm -hmm. who are saying they're setting up a bank. I'm not sure where they've got to on their bank license application, mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think they raised some money end of last year um, to do that. And that's a quite a bit expensive in terms of dealing with and navigating regulation. Um, so how are you guys uh, looking to tackle getting the banking license? Right, so in terms of um, clearing banks, so in the UK, there are very few clearing banks. Um, I believe eight only at this point in time. Um, and it took a very long time for the eighth bank to be added and that was only a couple of years ago okay. and that's clear bank now the, the major clearing <coughs> banks are you know the the, the, the the traditional bank that everyone knows barclays NatWest, etc so we are we're aiming to 
to become one of those. And so our competitors, to answer your first question, would essentially be all those clearing banks in the UK, those eight clearing banks in the UK. Um, yes. In terms of um, the process itself, so this process is um, indeed a very lengthy process. Mm -hmm. You need to do things um, in the correct manner in order for the regulator to grant a license of that nature. And so we've been in conversation with the regulators for a few months. Um, we're not trying to rush this process in any way. We want to do things the right way. What we are hoping for is that we should be able to go live with a restricted license, hopefully by the end of 2020. Should the regulator grant us European Union? Uh, UK, UK, just, just okay. UK to begin with. Mm -hmm. Because a clearing, so what's a clearing bank? I think, I guess that's an important point. A clearing bank is a bank which clears transactions directly with the central bank. So, you know, when you look at the ecosystem, the banking ecosystem in the UK, while there are many banks in the UK and many challenger banks in the UK, there are only eight clearing banks that can settle transactions directly with Bank of England. Then those clearing banks provide services to other banks. So you know the, the Revolut of this world and the, the Monzo of this world, they have to go through a sponsoring bank, whether it's Barclays, HSBC, etc. It, it's uh, necessary in order to clear the transaction within England. So that's what we're aiming to do at first, is we're focusing on the UK market, we want to become a clearing bank here, provide banking services to companies in the UK. Um, at first, we will be providing obviously clearing for British pounds. We are looking as well to expand to euros in the future and possibly move to other jurisdictions, but yeah. no need yeah, to, no need to, no need to rush. <laughs> Let's yeah. do this here um, first so correctly. Are you guys presented with something of a moving target given the furore around Libra and the new regulations coming down the line? Will, will that slow you up or do you think that maybe that'll clear things up, make things a little bit um, more transparent from the regulators and supervisors' point of view and from the point of view of startups trying to so I, I, find I a way through? I think sort of from the perspective of um, certainly ourselves but also most of the market, mm. the biggest hurdle in this industry is sort of uncertainty and when a piece of regulation comes out and it's you know specific to something it's far better than to have the uncertainty of you know making assumptions as to what may happen yeah because regulation is so important right so um that's what i would say I mean. yeah uh, yeah i don't believe that libra will have any impact on our licensing trajectory i don't, yeah. I don't believe that the regulator will be in any shape or form comparing us or associating us with Libra because you know in terms of blockchain um, we are agnostic so today we are working you know when it comes to the smart deposit boxes we're working with Bitcoin and Ethereum and the ERC20 tokens that are attached to Ethereum uh, and in the future we're planning to add additional blockchains now I must point out quickly that Libra is not really a blockchain cryptocurrency so just just to say um, but when it comes to the, um, the um, let's say Brexit really has been more, has had more of an impact in terms of um, making the work of regulators more difficult. So we've, we've seen that Brexit has indeed has an, an, an impact. And so right. this clarity as well, as far as what happens with Brexit will probably help a lot. 
Yeah, definitely. I'd imagine. Okay, thank you. Um, now, uh, it's probably worth mentioning you've got a 30 day trial. Maybe you've, yes. been, you've probably been a bit bashful, <laughs> not mentioning it, for your so, um, smart deposit service. Is that right? Yeah, so um, we decided that it would be good for customers to try out the product. Um, I think that's the thing with this product is we focus on security and you're asking you know, consumers to secure their digital assets, which they've obviously worked very hard to gain. But when you ask somebody to, I guess, add on some internal layer of security, even though it's supposed to complement their internal layer, um, it's not sort of something which you know everybody would instantly want to sign up for. So, in a good, in a in a way, sort of for us to understand where we can help with exactly what clients need, um, the thirty-day trial is completely free. There's no sign up. Uh, you don't pay anything for any of it, and we set you up with a um, with our three smart deposit box locks. Uh, so we have the anti coercion lock which I mentioned earlier the anti-fraud lock which uh, Hakeem briefly touched on which provides the mm-hmm. audited trail uh, of explicit cosigner consent you know make sure that all the cosigners are aware of why they're doing the transaction and they will agree of course and the I call it a spare key solution uh, but it's actually called a resilience lock so that's sort of the the um, more of the standard version but with these products, the 30-day trial, uh, everyone can test it. And when I say everyone, we only serve companies, but companies can test it, see how they feel about it, let us know if we, want, you know, if they want to change certain aspects or add on certain aspects. Uh, we also, when a customer does sign up, we have you know a few extras that we give away. Um, we are so we have partnerships with some of the best hardware wallet producers, uh, providers, and the uh, steel backup tool providers as well. So they're names you guys definitely uh, may have heard of in the crypto space um, and probably also in the, in the mainstream space as well. Uh, so we work with companies like Ledger, Trezor, you know, who make some yep. of the best um, hardware wallets, very secure. I'm sure many people, many people have one. So. Um, for II listeners that probably don't know what a hardware wallet is, it looks a oh, bit like a flash drive. Yeah, because um, we're talking digital here, people. So you're just storing some um, alphanumeric strings, mm-hmm. essentially. But you don't want anyone else to get hold of them, so you get a little bit of hardware which you don't connect to the internet unless you have to, which makes exactly. it much more secure than uh, other methods which rely on the. Yes, actually, I think it's, it's worth explaining quickly because uh, it, you know when it comes to the uh, blockchain ecosystem. Everyone has heard about all the hacks that have taken place and are taking place. Exchanges getting hacked, bitcoins or whatever assets stolen, and people don't necessarily understand why and how it works. So the the the, the way that cryptocurrencies and blockchain works is through uh, cryptography, where you have private keys, which looks like a very long alphanumeric password those private keys if you have them on your computer and your computer is vulnerable so you're not looking at your security very well you don't have a firewall you don't have an antivirus using an old version of an operating system that has plenty of holes i'm not going to name them then obviously you are potentially a victim you can become a victim of hackers and so hardware wallets came about with the simple idea that 
if you isolate the private key on a piece of hardware which can connect to your computer but when connected to your computer never really gives access to the private key the, the hardware wallets will sign your transaction but will never expose the private key to your computer or to the internet you are in a much better position so if anyone out there has um, bitcoins or ether or whatever cryptocurrencies they may have because hardware wallets today support you know thousands of various cryptos i strongly recommend that they look at something like ledger wallets or trezor wallets to secure those things and our customers use technologies such as those hardware wallets yeah. and they are really um, a first layer of defense against attacks so yes very yeah. it's worth understanding no definitely definitely and the very last place you should probably store your bitcoin is on a, an exchange uh, no matter how reputable <laughs> that exchange claims to be um they all seem to get hacked yeah the problem the, the the bigger problem the biggest problem with exchanges is simply that they have to have something called a hot wallet and now a hot wallet is essentially a wallet where the private keys are uh, connected to the internet now why do they need to do that simply because um, every day they have people wanting to withdraw cryptocurrencies from the wallet of the exchange mm -hmm. back to their own personal wallet yeah. and for that for those operations they need to have some assets some yeah. cryptos on there so if you look at the hack of Binance that took place recently it was a relatively small amount of crypto that was stolen the main um, the main cryptos uh, the main, the main, uh, uh, the, the, those assets are not kept in hot wallets. Exchanges have cold storage as well, but they do need a little bit of um, hot wallet. So, absolutely, you're right. If you have some cryptos, don't leave them on an exchange. Withdraw them and preferably put them on a hardware wallet. Yeah, and. Um your 30 day trial, as I mentioned, is, is now out there. And you pop along to nabu.me, that's K N A B U.me, you can find out more details uh, there. Um, just to pull things together a bit, um, how you guys funded? I mean, are you okay? I know there's some projects out there that raise money and then are starting to burn through it. Um, have you got revenue, revenues? Well, you, have, you only just started selling your new products. So we have revenues, yes. We have revenues. We oh, have, we have okay. customers already signed up to our service. Um, and we are in a process of funding today. So we have already some commitments, but the round is ongoing. Uh, and we're hoping to complete that within the next couple of months and move with our license application process to the next Great. step. Brilliant. Um, your CEO, Gabrielle Patrick, she's American, is that right? Well, no, she's originally from the Caribbean. Oh, see, okay. Yes. But she lives in the States. No, she no. lives here Where in the UK, but she, because she has an American accent, kind oh, of. Right. Okay. Because she worked in New York. I saw her described as an American lawyer somewhere. Is she a lawyer? She used to live, she briefly did live in the US. New yeah. York, yeah. But she's sort of very okay. well versed in US and UK law. Probably. That's right, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I met Gabrielle back in 2013. Mm. Um, she was already living in, in, in the UK and she's really the driving force behind Nabu. She's yeah, the same. one who came up with this idea and recruited us to help her. Um, absolutely fantastic lady. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to look out for uh, progress with Nabu and keep an eye on what's going on. And hopefully you guys will tell us what's going on. We can keep people up to date. Uh, so good luck with uh, what is a very ambitious project, but that's what blockchain is all about, trying to reinvent the future. 
Thank you very you. much for joining us today. Thank you, for us. Thank thank you. you Hakim, for joining us. And you, um, you're very welcome to come back in at some point in the future You'd when the bank a, is up and running. It'd be a pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks.